0: You're listening to a DM podcast. Mm, mm. Mm. (gasps) Hello and welcome to Kinky History, the podcast where we discuss all of the dirty little secrets they probably left out of your history books. I'm Esme Louise James, and today we are going to be talking about one of my favourite topics of all time. Why do I love it, you say? Because it is one of the most divisive topics of all time. There is no middle ground when it comes to the fetish that we will be talking about. You either love it or you hate it. You are absolutely disgusted at the thought of it or you are delighted by it. Every time I talk about this fetish, I find that people either start gagging or they find themselves falling head over heels. The fetish we will be talking about today is the foot fetish, where it comes from, why we have it, and is it here to stay? This is probably one of the most well-known fetishes. We find it regularly depicted in pop culture. I'm thinking Wolf of Wall Street in that absolutely infamous scene with Margot Robbie with her heel on Leonardo DiCaprio's face. There was also a moment in Sex in the City where we encounter a foot fetishist at the uh, shoe store almost recently when House of the Dragon actually depicted a foot fetish on the TV show for the first time. And what I found so interesting is that out of the entire Game of Thrones universe, which is continually showing all of these incredibly shocking sexual acts, people were up in arms over the depiction of the foot fetish. There were people saying that they were absolutely repulsed, that this had been depicted on TV. And so I really found myself asking why do we draw the line here what is it about feet that feels so inappropriate to be sexualized this is the show that's shown everything from incest to some very violent sexual acts and yet feet were the things that had people turning off their tv but the thing of the foot fetish is that it is no new feet we have been looking for our soulmates all throughout history The foot is one of the most erotic parts of the body continually throughout human sexual life. There was a famous quote from Dr. William Rossi, who is a man who has spent his entire life studying the history of feet and shoe manufacturing. And he said this, The foot is an erotic organ and the shoe is its sexual covering. This is a reality as ancient as mankind, as contemporary as the space age. The human foot possesses a natural sexuality whose powers have borne remarkable influence on all people of all cultures throughout history. So what is it about the foot? before we start off on the uh, wrong foot here I think it's time that we really step up and do some uh, research on the history of the foot and yes I did heavily look up foot puns for this episode (laughs) so to start with we are going to cast our mind all the way back to ancient Egypt Now this is one of the earliest examples that we have, debatably, of the foot fetish. And it comes from an instance in Egyptian hieroglyphics and dated to around 28,000 BCE. There is an artwork which depicts the ancient vizier, Taro Tep, and he's having his legs and feet massaged by two of his servants. Now, this may seem quite innocent and uh, maybe just like an ancient example of uh, the massage and reflexology, but some people have actually come in and said that this was likely a sexual act. See, in some of the reflexology of the time, they believe that various areas of the foot were actually related to the genitals, uh, something that some people still believe now which has given us this conception of the footgasm, that if you press a certain place on the feet, you are able to kind of experience, well, an orgasm without the genitals being in any way touched. So some people have actually debated that this ancient hieroglyphic, which I will definitely go and put up on Instagram for you all to check out, um, was an early example of foot praising because it happened between someone of a uh, lower social standing and, you know, this ancient vizier. So a form of worship that we see all throughout history and whether sexual or not there's something about looking after the feet and praising the feet that comes into this power dynamic which we all know is very important for history. Going all the way to ancient Greece I think we have some of the best earliest examples of the foot fetish and if we had any doubts in our mind that this was not a permanent part of the human psyche ancient Greece really puts us all to rest. So let's go to our favourite goddess, Aphrodite, the goddess of sexual love and beauty. Now in Hesiod's story of Aphrodite's birth, which is potentially one of the most famous origin stories of the goddess, there is only one physical attribute which is attributed to her and that is the shapely feet which grass grows from underneath. And you may say, maybe this is a coincidence that it was only her feet that Hesiod thought to, you know, pay attention to. But then we go to other pieces of literature from ancient Greece and we see it everywhere. There are descriptions of beautiful, slender, and fine feet in some of the you know greatest works of literature from that time. We see a description of fair ankles in the Iliad, uh, a description of beautiful ankles in the Odyssey, and a description of fair ankles in Sanctum. This just seems to be a recurring factor that in ancient Greece, when you're trying to ascribe uh, beauty to a woman, the best place to start is with her feet. But were they sexualized or was this just another beautiful, unattainable beauty standard for women? Well, not so, because now I'm going to introduce you to the ancient philosopher Philostratus, who has a series of letters which makes us realize that this was totally about erotic feet. Now, in one of his letters, uh, to a barefoot boy, Philostratus worships the shape of his lover's feet and implores his lover to always walk barefoot so that he can kiss his footprints that are left behind. O perfect lines of feet most dearly loved, O flowers new and strange, O plants sprung from the earth, O kiss left lying on the ground. He also makes similar pleas in another letter called To a Woman, uh, and she is equally urged to kind of keep her feet always bare so that he can worship them. Do not torture your feet, my love, and do not hide them. Walk softly and leave prints of your own feet behind for those of us who would love to kiss them. And to kind of take a little slightly kinkier turn we turn to letter 37 in which Philostratus has this kind of dominatrix fantasy about someone with beautiful feet treading on him and dominating him oh thrice charmed would i be and blessed if you feet would tread on me there is absolutely no doubt what this was about feet were erotic in ancient Greece even all the way back then we also have this really fantastic example in ancient Greece with sex workers who wore sandals that left an imprint on the ground as they walked which translated to follow me so while not a sexualization of their feet there is definitely erotic connotations there with sandals feet sex work sex all of it okay (laughs) Now, this connection that we kind of talked about in ancient Greece, where the worship of foot is, you know, linked to these class dynamics and power dynamics. I think it's worth casting our mind back to our Sunday school, where you would have heard about the foot washing tradition in Christianity. The emergence of foot washing as a custom kind of shows that uh, feet aren't something that was solely linked to the bedroom and this erotica. There is something about praise that's also there. And for those of us who have a praise kink, they might be a bit more familiar with this. So we have this story in the Bible where Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples. If I then, your Lord and Teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now foot washing, as this like symbol of humility in uh, many civilizations, is kind of intimately tied to these displays of like love and affection and reverence. Which takes us to foot washing within the Catholic Church. Now, in the 9th century, Pope Eugene II would begin the custom of kissing the feet of the Pope, a custom that is still heavily practiced today in the Catholic tradition. I really want to know how that conversation went down in the Vatican, being like, hey, radical idea, rather than just like nudging one another or, you know, a nice little, hey, um, kiss my feet. So again, no one's wanking over feet here, but we can see that there is this ingrained sense of praise, love, and feet. Praise, love, and feet, which I think is just playing all throughout history and maybe kind of exploding in this erotica for us today. To take a bit of a darker turn on all of this, if we go into the 10th century China, we begin the torturous practice of foot binding. And this, from its very beginning, was rooted in sexuality and sexual connotations. Now, the practice was brought to life by Emperor Li Wu. Now, he was said to have been entranced by a court dancer, Yao Ning Ong, who had bound her feet into the shape of the moon. And as he watched her dance on her toes um, with feet looking like a golden lotus, he became absolutely entranced and sexually turned on by the sight of her feet so this style of feet binding was very quickly taken up by ladies of the court and it became this symbol of uh, status and feminine refinement and in order to gain a husband it all came down to the look of your feet The coveted foot size, this golden lotus that was possessed by the famous court dancer, was three inches. To kind of put that into context, the size of an average iPhone, not an iPhone Max, the average iPhone is uh, closer to five. If you had a golden lotus foot, you were highly likely to marry well and probably marry above your station. A four-inch foot was considered the silver lotus and was still acceptable, but women who could not get their feet smaller than five inches were dismissed as iron lotuses and their marriage prospects basically fell entirely. This was a tradition that was carried on for many centuries. The last shoe factory to stop making lotus shoes only closed down in 1999. And as tragic as like the story of foot binding is, you know, especially the deformity it's left so many women with, without even considering the amount of pain that would have happened. It is linked to a male sexual desire and a an neuroticism of woman's body. So we're having these examples from ancient Greece and we're having these examples from ancient China. And we're kind of seeing that all over the world, there is this connection straight away with feet and a need to kind of sexualize them. So why is this? Why are we so compelled to find feet sexy? There's been a fair few theories about this throughout the ages. Our good old friend Sigmund Freud, of course, had some very insightful takes on the foot fetish. He believed that foot fetishes were so common because the shape of feet and toes resembled the shape of a penis, kind of like he thinks every single item you see in life looks like a penis. I have this theory that Freud just had like penis shaped eyes and just kind of looked out and saw penises everywhere. But one of his other theories, apart from the fact that feet look like penises apparently, he also said noses look like penis is just a bit of a tangent which i've never been able to see but that's okay like most things with freud either came down to a penis or the mum sometimes both and this this was that glorious moment where the venn diagram really came together freud believed that the foot was one of the more likely parts of the body to see naked so a child is very likely to walk in when a mum is sleeping and her foot has fallen out of the covers. And so he believed that the child was most likely to be exposed to a naked foot before any other part of the naked body. And that would kind of be ingrained in his head after seeing this foot of his mum that he would begin lusting over feet. And while, you know, Freud's theories leave a lot to be desired... I think it's probably interesting to remember that in this 19th century moment, we're still trying to understand why we're so fascinated by this question of the foot fetish. It's still something that is so prevalent that we're still trying to invent a theory for it. And there's been a lot of other theories today, none of which have been confirmed. And one of the theories was actually stumbled on accidentally in uh, research done by Dr. Ramachandra in 1999. Now, Dr. Ramachandra was studying phantom limb syndrome. Uh, this is a condition where amputees are still able to feel a part of the body that has been lost. And they still believe that they can move it and feel it just like any other part of the body. So what he found incredibly interesting when he was studying these amputee patients was that when it came to patients that had had their feet removed, they weren't just feeling where their foot had once been when a hand was kind of waved over that area, but a considerable amount of them were actually becoming erotically aroused. Now, this happened to a substantial amount of the amputee patients. They were having some kind of sexual reaction, and in some cases, they were quite extreme reactions. So in the brain, the area responsible for feeling in the feet is really close to the one responsible for genitalia. This was not a new thing to say, but what Ramachandra then went further in saying was that there could potentially be a cross wiring in some people. These areas could become kind of confused and lead to a foot fetish. That was the only reasonable explanation he could see as to why these amputee patients were experiencing sexual desire from this kind of stimulation. He even went as far as to actually put this in his paper on amputee patients. At one stage, he writes, "...maybe even some of us so-called normal people have a bit of cross-wiring, which could explain why we like to have our toes sucked." I do really enjoy that this just happened at like a, almost like a footnote in his uh, academic paper. He was like, bye-bye, I know we're talking about this, but um, let's also quickly talk about foot fetishes. Now, this theory, it must be said, is not proved by any means and even some... Scholars have gone as far as to try and disprove this and say if this was the case, we would actually be turned on by our own feet rather than other people's. But it does still give us a way to consider that some fetishes could have biological underpinnings, which is genuinely fascinating when it comes to fetishes there's kind of arguments on either side that there could be a nature or nurture factor this is one of those that would fall into that nature category but we also have other theories that have been proposed from around the world some researchers have looked to cultural factors about how external situations can lead towards the eroticism of feet now one of these came from 1998 and I find this study so fascinating for those who want to look it up the name of the study is sexualization of the female foot as a response to sexually transmitted epidemics as the title kind of suggests this study basically proved that erotic literature and media about feet rises exponentially during sexually transmitted epidemics in history they have shown that our tendency to eroticize feet just skyrockets during sexually transmitted epidemics. When the genitals are off the table, when they pose too much of our risk, for some reason, our next thought is to go to feet now we have four major sexually transmitted epidemics that have happened in the 13th century we have the gonorrhea epidemic we have a syphilis epidemic in both the 16th and 19th century and of course more recently we have the aids epidemic in the late 20th century Now, when we go to the 13th century, there's almost a revival all of a sudden in troubadour poetry about the foot. It kind of gets a second life. They are singing the praises of women's feet and idolizing beautiful slender feet with high arches, long toes with no webbing, which also makes me kind of curious to know how many people had webbed feet in the uh, 13th century. And this is when the syphilis epidemic happened. Now, while they're starting to kind of uh, recirculate all this troubadour poetry, there's also a popular fashion movement that emerges about toe cleavage which is basically when your shoes are low enough to kind of display that little crease in your first few toes this becomes a big fashion at the time and it became incredibly popular especially around the higher classes something which you can still google if you are curious about toe cleavage uh, you can still look that up As well as this, there's a new idolization for a long second toe. There's a few writings that actually um, sexualize uh, how hot it is to have a really long second toe, which kind of comes out of nowhere. Now, this actually escalates in the 19th century when we have another syphilis epidemic, when brothels on a wide scale begin to specialize in foot eroticism. It now became an option to go into a brothel and uh worship feet or be trodden on and all of those fun things while not the 19th century it is worth noting that uh, a later adapter of this foot eroticism at brothels was one F Scott Fitzgerald or I should say F Scott FitzGerald now f scott Fitzgerald, the author of course of the great gatsby was known to go into brothels particularly for one sex worker because he loved her feet now this sex worker even went as far as to say that she believed that he was a foot fetishist which kind of tells us that foot fetish as a term was in circulation in fitzgerald's time Very interestingly, while fitzgerald it's the only name I'll be calling him by now, really liked to worship this worker's feet, uh, he was absolutely disgusted by his own feet. He falls into that category of both delight and disgust. He states that he believes he has a Freudian shame about his own feet and would not allow anyone to see them bare. And, of course, we know what Freud would have said about feet, that they look like penises. It wasn't until the 1980s that this connection between foot eroticism and sexually transmitted epidemics was widely recognized. So during the AIDS epidemic, foot pornography actually emerged in a lot of magazines um, and some editorials were advertising basically foot sex as a safer alternative to sex, which held the risk of these sexually transmitted diseases we start to have the kind of release of hardcore magazines such as ones called Foot Love, Foot Lickers, Foot Worship and Under Her Toes. And these were all sold in like pornographic bookstores but Sold far more openly was this kind of softcore foot magazines which appeared and these were sold you know quite openly at general bookstores, newsstands, tobacco shops, airport bookshops Um, and while they couldn't contain the word foot in the title which clearly would have ticked people off to it being an erotic magazine they had these kind of neutral names called leg action, thigh high, leg show, leg scene, high-heeled woman, silk stockings and open legs, which to me, I think sounds a lot more erotic. But anyway, I do encourage you again to go to Google and look up some of the covers of Leg Show and you can kind of see exactly what I'm talking about here there's almost this push to make feet more erotic because it was safer than engaging in sexual relations. If you were content with seeing and worshipping feet, maybe exploring a footgasm and not exchanging genital juices, that was a win all round. Now what this research study in the end did was they went through all of these kind of magazines that would be in any way erotic not just one specializing in foot and feet sex but any kind of like pornographic magazine whether softcore hardcore and they tried to track if there had been a rise during the AIDS epidemic in feet and the graph basically shoots up we have an exponential rise in how much we love feet when it comes to the aids epidemic there hasn't been a follow-up study but i would love to know if it kind of dropped off once the aids epidemic dropped off as well so there is cultural reasons why we could be interested in the foot fetish so now that we've stepped through that history of the foot fetish it's time for us to come to today in a study done by Dr. Justin Lay Miller, who's part of the Alfred Kingsley Institute, he found that one in seven people today have had a fantasy in which feet or toes play a prominent role. And... What I think is most interesting is that he found that this fantasy was most common against gay and bisexual men. This was 21% of gay and bisexual men that he studied. This was closely followed by heterosexual men at 18%, lesbian and bisexual women at 15%, and finally, heterosexual women at only 5%. Now, where this period of history of the AIDS epidemic not that far behind us. I don't think it's a wonder that when Justin Lay Miller found this statistic, the highest demographic of people who had fantasized about feet were the ones most impacted by the AIDS epidemic. Now foot fetishes and foot fetishism can be explored in a variety of ways today and I think one of the ways that it has been explored and did make the headlines for was the popularity of the vajankle which rose to prominence in 2015 and again if you're there on google I highly recommend that you type in vajankle. Now, in case you missed the headlines when the uh, the Jankle <laughs> rose to fame in 2015, uh, this is basically what you think it's going to be. It is a silicone foot and ankle with a hole ready for you to insert your penis into. Now, the product was designed by a company called Synthetics in 2013, and Synthetics specialized in a range of different kind of sex toys and sex additions to the bedroom. They only made this product because one customer was repeatedly contacting the company to ask if he could have this Vjenkel specifically made. And so they went and handmade this silicone foot and it was put on the market. And to their surprise, a fair few people were actually interested in this product. You can customize this ankle to your desire. You can choose its skin tone. You can choose the length of its nails. You can even choose which nail polish color you want on your vijankle. It's um, entirely customizable. Um, So if you find yourself being that one in seven that uh, Dr. Justin Lay Miller laid out, Perhaps this is your time to go and uh, buy yourself a vajankle. And I really should have got this uh, podcast episode sponsored by the (laughs) vajankle. We may never find the reason behind why we have foot fetishes. And I think it's maybe time to accept that foot fetishes are just an immutable fact of life, whether we like it or not. Some people will always be in defeat and some people will always be disgusted by them. That is just a fact that we will have to list on the great wonders of the universe. (laughs) Dip your toe in and maybe explore the foot fetish. Who knows? You may even find that it tickles your fancy. I have been your host, Esme Louise James, and thank you so much for joining us to discuss the history of the foot fetish. And if you simply can't get enough and can't wait till next week, then you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Just go to the links in my bio. If not, I will see you next time for plenty more kinky history. Mm. (gasps) Oh!